What's going on, brother? Great to see you, man. You're looking great, bro. Hey, thanks a lot. Feeling good. It's good to see you, Johnny. It's excellent to see you, man. And it's great to hear you guys back on the Billy C podcast, radio show. Uh, let's face facts. One of the best pods of all time in the history of boxing. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's high praise. Thank you so much. I, I'm very happy to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, Billy C has been uh, really good to me. Uh, it's, been, it's been great working with him and Dax. And uh, yeah, just been a great ride. The great cast of characters here, guys. We got Dax Khan. We got Sal Senecola, who is just a, an amazing personality. We got Billy C. He can't even, Billy C can't even pronounce his own last name. And I love that because I can't <laughs> pronounce his last name. So he will always be Billy C to me. <laughs> and of course, yeah. Alex Propali. Welcome, brother. Welcome on the show, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate being here. Yeah, it's it's great work with those guys. You know, Sal is somebody that I've only met uh, in this in this format. Uh, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him in person. And uh, uh, I, there was one year it was almost going to happen up in Canastota, um, but and I think eventually that's where we'll meet, uh, if not at something uh, down in his neck of the woods. So that means you've never had his pizza before. No, I haven't. No. I want to know about this pizza because everyone talks about how good this pizza is. And I don't well, Billy, C, Billy C says it's very good. And I would trust his opinion. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. But, you know, again, going back to the great Billy C show, uh, a couple of years back, I wasn't doing podcasts. I wasn't doing radio. And I discovered the Billy C show and it motivated me. Like you guys motivated me to come out of like my retirement, if you will, and want to talk about boxing again because you guys have such a thorough description and detail and passion for the sport that is second to none and humor. And if you're a real fight fan, that's the show for you. Oh, thank you so much. That's so that's great to hear. Yeah, it, it for me, it's really been a labor of love because um uh you know there's there's very little format. Um we uh that's the way Billy C likes it. It's like, he know, you know what we're going to talk about, but it's not like an outline. And, you know, we tick them off. Uh, he wants that feel of um, you bump into a friend and you start talking boxing. Uh, well, talking uh, boxing. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what I love about it. And, and so there's a lot of time for him and I would do the blast from the past. And that's one of the things that uh, was always a lot of fun for me is doing lots and lots of research. And because I'm not really sure what direction we'll end up going in. Um, and sometimes, you know, we uh, uh, learn things and that's the really cool thing is especially some of these old timers, you get stories that are just uh, amazing. And, and one of the cool things about reading some of those old articles uh, I mean, details are everything, you know, uh, whether it's a movie or fiction or all that. And it's same thing in sport. And one of the things that I, that Billy C and I uh, love is uh, reading these old fight reports. A lot of times in the last couple of lines, they'll mention who else was in attendance. 
And that happens now too, because you'll go to a fight card and there'll be the fighters who are fighting, but then in the audience are a couple of fighters too. Well, back then it was crazy because there'll be, you know, like Mickey Walker was sitting ringside or Harry Greb was ringside, you know? And uh, that's just pretty amazing because you wonder what was that like uh, to be uh, able to be in a crowd there where you might have might have been able to shoulder your way up and gotten an autograph or a guy like that. <laughs> That's amazing detail right there. Like you're saying, and the whole thing is too, like when Frank Sinatra did the ringside photography for Ali Frazier one, that was a big deal to a lot of people. And those little details make the event bigger because it gives like gravity. It gives weight because it makes you understand like how big was this event? Well, Frank Sinatra took pictures of this yeah. event ringside. <laughs> so, like, that's how big this event was. And that's boxing at its best. Um, we've seen some pretty good boxing coming back, you know, and there's a lot of things I want to pick your brain on in a little bit. But in the meantime, you did mention some films. You did mention some stuff. I know you're a horror film guy. Uh, could, could we learn a little bit more about your obsession with horror films? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, uh, it, it probably comes from being a, uh, a, a shy, uh, reclusive teen because I used to love, uh, you know, uh, and, a, and a couch potato, right? Because um, I used to love the 430 movie. Um, so they would have like, you know, Vampire Week or uh, Undead Week, things like that. And um, I can remember even as a young kid uh, taking out um, books on uh, monsters and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I've always been into them. And actually just in the past year or so, I've realized that there's, uh, there is some scholarship actually on monsters. There's a couple of universities that actually uh, have courses in studying them. And, um, and it is interesting, especially in, in our time, of course, because uh, monsters serve a purpose culturally, right? And sometimes our le leaders uh, want to make monsters for us. Um, but I guess for me, you know, it started with like Dracula and King Kong. Those are probably two of my favorites. Um, and I think for very different reasons. Uh, Dracula, I can't really empathize with at all. He's a sadist. Um, King Kong, of course, I empathize very much with because he's sort of, uh, you know, uh, this guy who was sort of kidnapped from his home and, and thrust into the world stage. You know, you can't help but feel, feel for the guy. <laughs> and he likes blondes. Who doesn't? <laughs> here's what's up man my wife she loves horror films and like there'll be something on uh like a hostile movie or like the hills have eyes and i actually had the opportunity to interview you know i've had the privilege of interviewing a lot of people that are in the horror genre and i'm kind of like i'm gonna put it frankly a pussy when it comes to horror films and so my wife would always be like, open your eyes. I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. Because Hostile, Hills Have Eyes, they do nasty shit. No solicitors. I had John Callis on, a director, an amazing guy. I love him to death. But I was like, bro, what makes you write something like this? Like, to where, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you okay, brother? Like, <laughs> I love you. But are you, is everything. But what a nice guy, an amazing gentleman. But he writes some sick shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, you know, it's I um I guess for me, I kind of like it, it varies. There are some uh, directors today that I, I guess uh, that I really like, but I, I could see why some people, they're not for everybody. And they've even, it's been referred to as trauma porn. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've seen uh, Ari Aster's movies like Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, but both of those were movies I liked very much. However, uh, I've bumped into a few people whose opinions I respect, who sort of, and, and read a few things that made me look at them in a different way. Um, I, I think John Carpenter is one of my favorites. Halloween is probably up there uh, with one of my maybe top three, I guess. The original Alien. Um, Suspiria is one. I don't know if you've ever seen, but that's a movie I love. A lot of people... Um, and Dario Argento is somebody that a lot of, at least when uh, it comes to October, you never see Dario Argento movies injected into marathons, and they should be. Um, because like Deep Red and Suspiria, you could watch those every October. Um, those are up there in classics. Uh, and if you like the original Halloween, if you watch Deep Red, you'll be shocked at how much influence there is in Halloween, even from the theme song, um, because Carpenter and uh, Deborah Hill really liked and appreciated Argento. So yeah, that's the thing I guess for me is that um, being scared is our oldest, emo oldest emotion, right? Yeah. So um, <laughs> there's, and, and I think the thing about horror movies is you know you're safe. Um, it's not real. It's uh, just a you movie. Could stop it at, you could stop it at any time, you know? My wife uh -huh. tells me that all the time. You could stop at uh, Arturo Gatti, Mickey Ward. You could stop at any time, you know, <laughs> like with Jim Lamley. <laughs> yeah. You could stop at any point, Frank. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, and fight I, ain't I, over. Fight ain't over. <laughs> that's the thing is boxing and, and horror movies are, 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 are similar in that sense. Is, and there's something I remember uh, John Molina talking about when he was – when they were – talking about uh, he was going into the fight with, I think it was Provodnikov. And he was like, this is not for the squeamish. And it's true. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to see nastiness. But I think in the case, especially in the case of a horror movie is that um, uh, it's metaphoric. And, 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 and as a boxing fan, it's metaphoric too. If you're in there, of course, it's not a metaphor. It's, it's, the bruises are real. Well, it's exactly the metaphor for life, as I call it. What got you in? For me, it was Holyfield Bo One. Although I was a Tyson fan growing up by way of my father, but Bo Holyfield round, you know, the first fight round ten made me realize that like seven or eight years old. I forget how old I was, but I was like, "Damn! Like this is a metaphor for life." What What was the fight? Because it's always a fight that gets you in. What What was that fight for you? Mike Tyson versus Sam Scaff. Uh, it's a blowout. It's a one round. It's a, I think it's a hundred and uh, 119 seconds or 89 seconds, maybe. Jeez. Um, I think it's a minute and 19 seconds, something like that. Uh, it was completely ch uh, by chance. Uh, I had come from home from school and turned on the TV. And at that point, they, we had one of those you know, you push the buttons on top of the cable box, you know? Oh, I know all about those, especially for the adult channels. 
That <laughs> <laughs> thing you can kind of dial it. Yeah, I could see yeah, part of a boob there. Got um, a little titty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and I think it was on MSG Network, and Sam Rosen was on the call, and it was. They were replaying uh, Mike Tyson versus Sam Scaff, which I believe was his first fight in the big room at Madison Square Garden, or it could have been the Felt Forum at the time. Um, and uh, I, I had no idea who he was. And it was right at the moment where it was at the referee's instructions. And I was like, oh, man, this kid's going to get blown out because Sam Scaff was like 6'4 and 250. And Mike, I, I caught that they said he's 17. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I was 15. And, uh, wow. or no, I think he was, yeah, something like that. Or he was 18, maybe. And I was, uh, or 14, I think I must have been. Yeah, because 85, it was December of 85. Um, and uh, needless to say, the ins I, I, for some reason, I kept the channel there. And I sat down and... Um, I didn't have to wait long because Mike stormed across the ring and blasted him with a left hook and Scaff's nose basically came apart. And the, it was shocking to me. And Mike, Scaff sort of grabbed hold of him and was trying to wipe the blood, which was obviously making it very difficult for him to bleed all over Mike's back. Um, and then Mike basically finished him off and then ran across the ring and helped them up. I never saw anything like it. And I was hooked. I and love I, that Mike did that. He would, he would often help his opponent up. Yeah. I, and I, it wasn't until years later or maybe a few, probably because I immediately started following him. So for me, and I think this happens like you were saying with a lot of people, you might, it might be one fight and then one fighter that you become a fan of. Um, and so you start following the sport through that. And so for me, it was, I had already, um, or soon after that, it was Hagler, um, because of the Hagler Hearns fight. And, um, so it was Tyson and Hagler pretty much that were my favorite fighters. And I started following the sport. I start, my brother and I, once I could drive, um, we, uh, we would start going into New Haven to, uh, you know, to, to the New Haven Boys Club to learn how to box. And um, uh, yeah, we just fell in love with it. And it's been, ever since then, it's been sort of like, uh, you know, my higher power is God, but uh, boxing is my religion. <laughs> I tell you what, when boxing's on point, there's no other better sport. Like when we seen like, you know, Castillo Corrales or I mentioned Ali Frazier before or, you know, Gotti Ward as well. Like when when boxing, Bo Holyfield won, like when boxing's on point, there is not a better sport. I love a lot of other sports. I'm a big baseball fan. I love football. But there's something about boxing that is, again, like you said, Alex, before a, a metaphor for life. That's really what it is. You know, it's just one of those wonderful sports when, you know, people see it, even if they're a casual or not even a casual, and you stop and see, like, that Rocky-type fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that Rocky, like, first Drago-type shit. Because it does happen, people. Not, like, quite like that. That was a little exaggerated. 
but you do see some firefights. We just saw one recently with, with uh, Joe Smith. That was a hell of a fight with Maxim Vlasov. That was like one of those – dude, my wife sat down the entire 12 rounds, and she was compelled. She's like, this is fucking awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that fight, brother? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that I agree with you 100%. There's no other sport where th that has that same level of intense drama um, because it is. It's um, it's one-on-one, -on -one and especially pro professional boxing, you know, prize fighting, uh, the object is damage. And I think especially in the, these times, one of my friends who loves football, um, and we watch a lot of, uh, at least over this past the, year, the COVID year, we watched a lot of games. Uh, together um, it's very interesting to be a football fan and see how they look at concussions compared to how boxing looks or does not look at concussions because you know it's like you might have a concussion all right let's give you a few days in boxing you got eight seconds how you doing you all right all right let's go keep going <laughs> let's get um, back up <laughs> so, so, that is, yeah, there's nothing else like it. I really enjoyed Vlasov Smith. I, I was a little, I, I, I wasn't surprised that Smith got the decision, but I didn't think he won more than four. I wins. agree with you. I, I think Vlasov won the fight. Yeah, I agree. And I, I had it like seven to five-ish. Yeah, and I, and I think yep. that um, it, it's unfortunate in that sense, but it's, it's something you see quite a bit. Uh, and I think we know... And this is where being a boxing fan to uh, sort of more jibes with my whole view of life also is that um, it has to do with details and knowing the details and keep and maintaining keeping things in mind, not pushing things down the memory hole. If you're if you're a boxing fan, you don't think you can't think of Julio Cesar Chavez versus Meldrick Taylor without thinking of both of them and they're both of their greatness. I don't think any serious boxing fan looks at that fight and just sees it as a black and white victory. No. Either guy. Or that's why it's one of those things where it's an undying resentment. And I think a lot of times people do, at least boxing fans, good box, you know, I don't want to say it like that, but uh, bo boxing fans who are more serious are able to discern, discerning boxing fans, I guess you should say, are able to keep that in mind when they think back on, you know, recent events. If they're assessing a fighter, they don't look at the record because they know how many decisions might have gone like that, uh, the way Vlasov Smith did. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times, sometimes it's unfortunate because if you think, especially when you have, like you had said, uh, Bo and Holyfield, one of the magnificent things about that fight was that they were the two best at the time. And they, they gave us three bouts. Um, think about De La Hoya Trinidad. They gave us one lackluster bout. Things, if you think of them, when you measure them against each other, they're still sort of unfinished business in, in a way. Um, because that was sort of a on a dissatisfying decision, no matter who you thought won. For uh, me, like with the Holyfield thing, is that he actually lost and I became a fan. You could get fans, people, with a loss. 
And that's what <laughs> Alex, I totally agree with. I fell in love with Evander Holyfield's career because he lost, but he lost with balls. He lost with grit. He lost with determination. He went out on his shield and then he repaired himself and replenished himself. And speaking of which, Holyfield's coming back. We got him facing Kevin McBride. You heard about this? Oh, I was hoping it was a rumor. Um, no, it's real. It's June 5th. <laughs> um, you know, I, and that's something I want to ask you. I, you know, I'm, I happen to be wearing this T-shirt, actually. Um, the uh, what, what would you think, as a Holyfield fan, um, mm-hmm. if they met, say, they, say Mike doesn't go to prison, and they meet Ooh. then, does Holyfield beat him? That's a, I knew where you're going with this question. That's a juicy question. That's real. That's a hard one to answer. Cause you remember when Holyfield for, fought Burt Cooper at the time he was supposed to fight Mike Tyson at the inception of Mike Tyson going to prison, Holyfield had a hard time getting Burt Cooper out of there yeah. on that particular night. I think Mike Tyson, I hate to admit this. I think Mike wins. Right. But I think that anytime, you know, after that, it's a it's Holyfield's fight. If, if they do a third one, I think Holyfield wins it. But around that time, I think Holyfield would have had a significant difficult time with a prime Mike Tyson because a it's prime Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, but was it prime Mike Tyson? Because he was already remember that he hadn't, um, he had lost to Douglas, and then what? Oh, that's correct. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yep. So he he had, I think he had Giacchetti as the trainer. Um. So and at that time he wasn't really listening. He didn't gel with anybody like he did with Rooney. And I think my, mm-hmm. I don't know. I hesitate. Um. I think you're right, and I think maybe the thing that would have been beautiful is we would have seen more than one fight, and we would have seen more than one outcome. Because to me. Uh, what we saw in the second fight was Evander Holyfield was going to beat his ass. Beat his ass. Oh, he started beating the shit out of him immediately. Oh, it was, it was yeah. like he picked up. It was round twelve. Exactly. Whatever. It was like it picked up the same pace from the last fight. Let me ask you something about the Buster Douglas Mike Tyson fight. What the hell were they putting like that water balloon or would be Trojan condom like water on what? what no ends. Well, like what the what the hell was going on in that corner? I think that that's where our sport is like no other because those sort of those those details like that is just it was hubris. They did they were totally unprepared for that to happen. So they didn't I don't even know what they were doing. And maybe they filled it up with air. It did look like it was like a, an ice a ice pack, but that the ice had either melted and and then it's useless. Uh, or they blown on it. Yeah, it just and so <laughs> think they were completely out of sorts. And like the rest of us, they were sort of in, in this hyper focus where they didn't know what was going on. And because um, I think we all were that night, except for Buster. And Buster's team, that's what was so beautiful about that. And he that. Was galvanized, too, about the, the fact that his mother had died. And, you know, he was a 40-to-1 underdog or something like that. And, you know, Holyfield had a jockey in for, for position to fight Mike. And then next thing you know, Holy gets uh, Buster. I mean, but that that was, like, one of those nights, man. I remember, like, watching it with my father, who who got me into boxing, to be honest with you. 
And the whole thing is like, I'm, I remember watching that and it was like so historic. And then you see Mike Tyson, the dragon gets slayed. You're like, you can't believe it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what walk of the earth you're from, no matter what country. Mike Tyson just got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing too, because he took a shit kicking before our eyes. And when you rewatch the fight, it's like, it's, imp it's apparent by like round six. Oh, he's going to get, he's getting the shit beat out. The of jab. Um, but it's still, it's still so hard to fathom that you don't really realize it until he's staggering. At one point in the ninth, he's out on his feet that you could make the argument to that it could have been stopped there. Uh, that's one of the things about Mike Tyson is that um, it was for me as a, a, I was lucky that my, I, my love for the sport was greater than my love for just one boxer. Um, because as a Mike Tyson fan, it was very, it got very difficult to root for him. Um, yeah. He did horrible things. Um, and, uh, that's one of the things that I think, you know, when people talk about him versus Ali, I think a fight, great fights like that would come down to character. And I think that, um, see, Mike is showing his character now, the man he is now, um, which is so much more impressive and so much more multidimensional than he was as a fighter. Um, and I'm I sure think it's the weed. It, yeah, it could be the weed. Uh, it could very well be the weed. Uh, that's. Oh, I was going to say that you're. You're. you're uh, I wish I was out there with you because uh, we could be doing this at uh, what's that planet? Planet thirteen. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things that uh, if if he him and. See, because people always, my take is that, of course, Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson who beat Michael Spinks versus, uh, let's say, the Muhammad Ali who fought Cleveland Williams. A lot of people think of that as like the pinnacle, um, you know, best performance. A lot of that performance was so brilliant was because Cleveland Williams was faded. Um, but so let's take that Ali versus Mike Tyson, that Kevin Rooney trained Mike Tyson. Um, that fight's amazing. The thing about it is you wouldn't just drop them into the ring. This would be a super fight, right? So there'd be a press tour and everything. Well, from the first day of that press tour, I'm sure Muhammad Ali would take one look at Mike Tyson and pick something and just start picking, 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 picking. By the time they got in that ring, Mike Tyson would be so angry that he would get himself DQ'd uh, or stop, uh, or he would like dislocate a shoulder or something. That's my take that Ali, that's the way Ali was. Uh, he was he, like a Sugar Ray Leonard in that sense, in that um, a true stylist, they don't just use punches, right? They- uh, Mental game. Style. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, the Mike Tyson. But I think if you were to, if he was to sign a, a deal with a guy like that now, he'd probably do a lot better. But think about it. This Mike Tyson, uh, the 54-year-old Mike Tyson has tools. Remember a few years ago where he, he got into that uh, little petty, he called Don King a name or something in Canastota. What'd he do the next day? 
publicly apologized. So he's got a lot more character. I now. think the weed's helping him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I keep going back to the weed. But the thing is, with Mike, the tendency when he lost fights is that he got bullied. The bully got bullied back. And we saw that with Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas started that with the pushing off. And if you watch the first fight with Holyfield and Tyson, Holyfield does a lot of dirty tactics. Yes, he does. He pushes him. He, you know, leans on him. He gets very physical with him. But he also had a, a prior history. A lot of people don't know about when they were amateurs and coming up that they sparred. Holyfield was very familiar with Mike Tyson's style before they fought. The second time, Holyfield just, again, was the more physical guy. And look what Lennox Lewis did to Mike Tyson when they fought. Lennox pushed him. Lennox just did everything he wanted to do with him. And I love Emmanuel Stewart. He's like, you got a dead man in front of you right now. What yeah. are you doing? You got a dead man. What you waiting for? Because he knew that Mike was always going to be dangerous. Yeah. That at any point in time, and Lennox, like, I'm not saying he's chinny, but the two losses that he had, which he avenged, which is amazing, were via knockout, like, early and bad. So, oh, yeah. Oliver McCall, which who in the rematch he made cry, which was probably one of the fucking weirdest things I've ever seen in boxing ever. There's no crying in boxing. And then, uh, of course, you know, Hasim Rahman in, in uh, Africa. But we saw that coming, bro. Like, he was doing movies and shit, and we could tell that Lennox wasn't the lion at that point. It right. was weird. I was like, eh, the writing's on the wall. But yeah, let, let, well, and that's, yeah. the, that's the thing about it is that I think if Mike, a prime Mike Tyson versus prime Lennox Lewis, I think Mike Tyson beats him easy. I agree with you. I, I think that's the thing about Lennox was that um, Lennox, and, and in a way, you have this today with Anthony Joshua. Um, you had it with Glitchko. They're sort of reluctant giants. Um, they are built like nightmare creatures, you know? Um, <laughs> but, they're, 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 you know but they're like, can you imagine being 6'7", no. and be a little hesitant to throw that monster shot? I mean, but but I have no idea what it's like to be able to do that. So, yeah, um, that's what why we, at least I like I love the spectacle part about boxing, even though I do love the stylus. And Saturday night was a perfect example where I, I was really enjoying Vlasov's. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, the way he beatboxed the shit out of him. Yes, he did. Um, and and that and there's something beautiful about that. The boldness of it. He's got his hands down in his face against one of the hardest punchers in the sport. Um, that's great. You know, uh, that's I don't know. Those are the fighters that. I enjoy because it's like the guys who they're doing something that to me, they're like comic book heroes. They're like putting their heads in the crocodile's mouth. Uh, and there's something amazing about seeing a human being do that. Um, you know, what's funny is that you mentioned comic book heroes. I had Steve Cunningham on my show recently, who's penning a comic book about boxers being superheroes. Wow. You know, I, I like his uh, drawings a lot. His artwork is really cool. I, I follow the, uh, the Facebook page. He's such a great guy. Um, he's going to be fighting soon against Frank Mir. This actually, I think this Saturday. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, he, he's, he's uh, one of those guys, man, that when you get to know on a personal level, like 
you know, uh, he's an artist, obviously, and just one of those real deal, down to earth, great dude. So shout out to Steve Cunningham. So I also want to shout out to Billy C show. How did you get to meet this uh, amazing cast of characters that is the Billy C show? Can you tell me your Billy C story? Absolutely. So I th I'm pretty sure it was, and I meant to look this up because I'm pretty sure it was uh, the um, Juan Urango um, versus, um, I can't remember who he was fighting, but he knocked somebody out at uh, Mohegan Sun. And we sat next to each other um, at, the, at that fight in press row. And we just talked, you know, and um, we joked a lot. And um, I think we talked a lot about food, <laughs> about Italian food. And, um, and then I saw him a few months later uh, that summer at, uh, in Canastota. And we bumped into each other. And I was like, have we met, you know? And at that point, we both uh, were, started writing a, an essay in a uh, collection, um, The First Black Boxing Champions by uh, Colleen Acock and Mark Scott. And so we talked during that process. He wrote about uh, Tom Molino, and I wrote about um, uh, Joe Jeanette and Sam McVeigh. Uh, and and the Finnish fight they had, which was pretty amazing in Paris in 1909, and um, and then I came on his show uh, to talk about Sam McVeigh, and it became a regular thing. Um, we I started going on there every week, and we I, I did the would do the we do the blast from the past together. Loved it. Uh, so Lo it was absolutely loved it. Learn yeah. so much about history. Uh, guys, go back to the vault on the Billy C show, talking boxing. Um, you'll learn a lot about history, and you obviously did a whole lot of research. Let me ask you something about this, though. The Billy C mustache, is it as impressive in person than it is on the, the – because uh, I only know him over the internet, and we did a show together. We're going to do a lot of other shows together. So is, is that mustache that impactful? Oh, it's much more impressive in person. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. If we, the next time we come out to uh, Vegas, we got to get together. Because, oh, absolutely. Yeah, My house is your guys' houses. Trust me, man. Like, yeah, you will meet the mustache. The magic mustache, you know? And I was a little distracted when, when we did the pod. I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, that, 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 that's wonderful. Like, he's got a nice little shape to it. Like, and I wanted to ask him about it, but I didn't want to come off like creepy, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, <laughs> that's but, um, I've heard it described as a lot of things, you know, I guess. would <laughs> be, You know, because sometimes, you know, the internet is brutal. Uh, and in the YouTube oh, yeah. time, and sometimes... It, it runs the gamut from Burt Reynolds to Ron Jeremy. So, you know, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, <laughs> we're off the rails and it's amazing. <laughs> Tremendous. From Burt Reynolds to Ron Jeremy. That's somewhere the hybrid of the Billy C. Billy magic C. stash. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's going to love this, by the way. <laughs> I know he's going to break my balls on it. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, so I, I got one more question for you before I let you go. Music. What kind of music do you like? Oh, 
you know, uh, I, it's pretty eclectic. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, um, I do like pop. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Although recent pop, I don't really know. Um, but 80s, I, I've realized now that, um, and it's strange because it seems like everything 80s is, everybody loves the 80s. I, I, I tutor kids in, uh, in reading. And uh, recently at, we were, me and one of our, my ninth grader were, were reading something about time travel. And, uh, and at the end, we like that one of the thought questions was, where would you like to go in, if you could travel in time? And I asked her, where would you want to go? She said, oh, definitely the 80s. So it's funny. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was there. It wasn't that great. <laughs> um, but yeah, musically, it was pretty great. And I think that that's one of the things that's pretty crazy is uh, like I I've gone into like bl the blood drives I've done lately. Uh, I walk in there and you get to sit there and get your blood, uh, blood donated. And um, for 45 to 90 minutes, you get to listen to uh, Huey Lewis Tears for Fears, you know, it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Golden you know, earring. That's my genre, man. I love Toto, Boston, all that kind yeah. of stuff, man. Like, that that's my thing. And I also want to mention this. Like, Alex, you lost a lot of weight, brother. Like, you look great. Can you, if you don't mind me asking, like, what have you done? Because that's very inspiring, and it's great to see you look so fit and look great. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's uh, in March. It's um, two years. I've been vegan and um, uh, I've lost about 225 pounds. Holy there. shit. Wait, let's slow wow. that down. <laughs> okay. Wait, how much weight? About 225. The last weigh-in was like 225. Dude, yeah. that is fucking phenomenal. How are you feeling? I feel great. I mean, that's the best thing about it. I... I the sneakers I'm wearing now, uh, they're, they're, they have shoelaces. And I probably didn't have shoelaces for a decade, maybe a little longer. Um, so that's a pretty cool feeling. Um, yeah, I, I take a lot of walks. I love walking. Um, I eat uh, three meals a day. Uh, like I said, I am vegan. I don't eat any sugar and I don't eat um, white flour. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that's basically it. And that, that's amazing. I, I got to give you so much respect because um, I ballooned up. I got to about 190 at one point, but I only lost 30 pounds. Like, so I didn't lose 220. That, that's fucking remarkable. Uh, could we talk about the vegan diet? Like, how, how does that, like, what, what do you eat to keep yourself, you know, in, in good energy? Um, well, I think one of the things about it is that, uh, of course, if you're going to do it, learn about it before you, before you start. Absolutely. Um, and that means, you know, uh, do, do some reading, you know? Um, and I think that, um, a lot of the things about protein are, are really, or our needs about protein are really overstated. And if you think about it, uh, some of the most powerful animals in the world, all they eat is plants. A, you think a rhinoceros? How Very does a rhinoceros, a rhinoceros get its protein? Well, from plants. How about a bison? Plants. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. You know, so a gorilla. Plants. Um, so I think some of it is, and I think this is the thing, especially in this country, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mind prisons that we see something a certain way and that 
a vegan diet is a is a turning is a very different. Um, and you know, you don't have to do it all at once. You know, there's there's meatless Mondays. There's uh, there's a cookbook now. I think it's vegan before six, where your breakfast and lunch is uh, plant based, and then your dinner is um, you know you could still have some kind of animal protein. Um, for me, you know, I love lentils. I love mushrooms. I love spinach. Um, you know, one of the things about it is I, I didn't realize, you know, uh, how much onions and garlic I'm eating until I had to wear them <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like, oh hey, yeah, that's some stank mushroomy onion vegan bread. Hell yeah, man. Uh, that that's one of the, this uh, this guy, a prize fighter that uh, I know who used to uh, who drives for Uber was saying that one day. Uh, I bumped into him in, uh, here in New Haven, and he was saying that, you know, these kids, you can't expect these kids to wear these masks all day. Their breath is horrible. They're killing themselves. <laughs> yes. It sucks in the gym, too. When I go to the gym, I'm going to go work out after this interview, and, and I got to wear a fucking mask as I work out. Like, that, that seems very counterproductive to me. But I'm yeah. going to do it because I need to work out, you know, like I need that, that fitness. And, you know, as the Italian in me, it's always like, I got one more question. I always say I got one more question. It ends up being 17. I got one more thing I want to talk about. I've noticed you got some sleep, oh. got some tattoos. Let's talk about the tattoos. Oh, yeah. So this one is definitely boxing related. So Holy I shit. That's uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And it's um, Who? like a moment at um right after the first round if you if you and it was on the cover of i think like boxing scene or something in 1985 um and it's a moment where he just sort of looked back at tommy hearns after round one as if to say i'm gonna meet you back here in 60 seconds and I just love that because that's like one of the, that round, you know, is one of the most uh, amazing rounds of boxing and in a way because it's, it's not boxing, right? It's, it's a brawl between yeah. the two best fighters on earth at the time. Yeah, It's an absolute firefight. Yeah. And I think that's in a way that once you watch that fight, it's sort of, and me and Billy C were talking about this recently, it kind of ruined movie fights for me. Because you realize, <laughs> you know how fake movie fights are. Because um, it's it's never okay. You go and then I'll go. You know, it's both guys going at the same time and throwing their very best at the exact same time or like microseconds apart. You know, and that's very different to see. Uh, Fight choreography never is able to catch that. That's why, you know, you had mentioned Rocky before. One of my favorite and most mo uh, boxing moments in all the Rocky move movies is in Rocky Four when he's clambering up the, the mountain. And at one point, he sort of stumbles forward and is literally on all fours, but he's still going. To me, that's boxing. That moment right there is more boxing than all the rest of that movie. <laughs> I, oh, well, absolutely. I, you know, the best soundtrack of all time for 80s, like, you know, yeah. the training montages. I mean, the whole movie's a fucking training montage. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Which is incredible. Uh, the thing I like uh, one, about one the. Thing I, sh- I should mention to you in terms of 80s. Uh, and it's funny because I just got my uh, COVID. I'm going to go back there for my other COVID vaccine. The second. How part. you feeling, by the way, with that? You feeling good? You fine, feel okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm awesome. Part two uh, is Monday, and it's at this. Uh, it's the Oakdale, which is uh, like a concert venue. Okay. And I saw um, the best live show I ever saw was Huey Lewis in the News. Uh, no and shit. They, uh, yeah, they were amazing because they're like a band, you know. Well, they got uh, saxophones and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... It was probably that, in, like, 1992. It was the Hard at Play tour. Uh, imagine the concept of actually having musicians on stage playing instruments. I had a friend out here in Vegas. We went to Fremont Street. And a lot of bands, you know, they're good, but they only have, like, limited personnel because they want to, you know, obviously make the most money possible. So they have the computers playing a support backtrack and one of my buddies was so fucking hammered he's like yo this bass player is good i'm like bro show me where there's a bass player on stage playing fucking bass right now you have no idea what you're you're drunk like (laughs) it's time to go home he's like wait you're right there's no bass player i'm like are you this stupid (laughs) <laughs> like and, and the thing is i love the guy to death and i'm sorry if he's listening to this right now and he's no he knows exactly who he is so i'm gonna he he fixes airplanes okay oh. and i'm like you fix airplanes you can't figure out that there's no fucking bass player on stage <laughs> yeah i hope he's not the same way about like uh you know there's there's no ailerons there's you know <laughs> But it happens nowadays. A lot of people, you know, fabricate and use things and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I got to say is that you guys keep it real over at Billy C Boxing. And Alex, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. And also Dax and Sal and Billy. um, We uh, exist in a very unique sport that takes uh, a, a whole lot of requirement to really digest it and display it and put it out there and and give uh you know articulation in the right way to the masses you guys are definitely that you guys are the i i think the premier you know podcast for me i'm i'm gonna sound like a fanboy right now okay because (laughs) i i dude i have like three of my favorite boxing pods and you guys are number one uh nobody does it like you guys and you keep it real, you keep it honest and factual and always have your shit together. Because sometimes I listen to a pod and I'm like, you know, from other podcasts, I'm not going to name names. I'm like, ah, oh, man, they don't know really what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, it's like with you guys, I'm like, you keep it at 100. So <laughs> that's what's up. Can can, uh, can you tell us the next time you guys are rolling out with a show? I, I have not talked about Billy C this week. Um, I, I'm, you know, ready when he is. Uh, I, I, this week, I'm not sure if there is something scheduled, but um, if there's a big fight week coming up, you can bet we'll be up on uh, Sunday morning. And you could always check the, uh, the website, BillyCBoxing.com, as well as the uh, uh, YouTube channel uh, for all the past shows. And uh, yeah, we and and check out social media because um, Dax uh, does a great job with that. Um, so I'm sure he'll be um, 
tweeting uh, today. <laughs> oh yeah, dude! I'm gonna share the show with Dax. He, I'm, I know he's looking forward to this, and I had him on my show. And I, I dude, Dax is amazing. Like his knowledge and and his enthusiasm, and again, it just straightforward. Like Dax is, he'll tell you the fuck how it is, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about it is that I think that uh, we're we're people that love the sport. Yes. Um, you know, and it's, you can't fake that, you know, so. Um, you cannot fake that. You cannot fake that at all. And we can't fake this amazing real experience Experience here. Alex, thank you so much, brother. Thank you and, so much. And I wish you and yours well. And uh, we'll talk soon, my man. All right. Take care.